Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. Periodically, the Royal Society of New Zealand gathers together a panel of experts to make recommendations about important and topical areas of science. The latest report, just out, considers the current state of taxonomy and biological collections in New Zealand. New Zealand's national biological collections range from fossils to living plants, organised into more than 12 million specimen lots each of which may contain many individual items. And the report makes some urgent recommendations for securing the future of these priceless assets and ensuring they are available for everyone to use. Alison catches up with two of the report's nine authors, marine algae specialist from NIWA and the University of Auckland, Wendy Nelson, and seabird expert and senior science curator at Te Papa, Susan Vaughan. Susan begins by explaining taxonomy and Te Papa's role in it. So taxonomy or biosystematics is the science of looking at species and their interrelationships and and also their evolution. And so um, we have 10 researchers at Te Papa who are curators or or specialist scientists on on taxonomy. Typically they've come through a career path of being specialist on one group of organisms. And then as they've developed in their careers, they've accrued the skills to help them do this species identification, species description work, um, which is a really highly specialised skill set. And then there's basically a Bible of um, nomenclature that goes with it, the correct ways to use the naming and and refer to original naming or revised namings or even creating new names. Although Te Papa, which is a national organisation, is by far the single largest holder of biological collections in New Zealand, there are many smaller collections held by various institutions around the country. So we've identified 29 collections nationally and they're held in CRI, so Crown Research Institutes, and their collections seem to be very deep but relatively narrow in scope in that they cover, you know, all insects or all marine invertebrates, but they don't cover all animals found in that environment. The museums are another really significant group, so they have significant holdings in historical and significant, scientifically significant collections. So, for example, Banks and Solander's collections and Hutton's collections and some of the Hector material, they're all housed in museums. There's a really major concentration of the vertebrate material, so animals with backbones that are only really found in the museum collections and split reasonably evenly between uh, all Auckland, Canterbury, Te Papa and Otago Museums. And then there are other um, specialist collections, say the ones held at Cawthorne Institute in Nelson. Wendy Nelson says the report authors were impressed with the diversity of objects that form the biological collections. Within the scope of our investigations, we actually had living collections. So we had microalgal cultures that are held at Cawthorne Institute, for example, the living cultures of flax at Landcare. We have fossil collections, for example, in GNS and at different museums and in universities. We have tissue samples of, of marine mammals, as well as dried plants in herbaria, the 
pickled samples and invertebrates and so on. A huge range of size from bones and feathers and skins to um, microscopic material and living material. So very wide range of biological material involved. So what does taxonomy actually offer? What is its purpose? Susan Moore. So taxonomy is used to help us describe what species we're looking at and we use that, for example, in um, defining what resources we have in the natural world, so plants and animals that we exploit for commercial use. Things like conservation work, we need to know whether we're dealing with a really specific um, special plant or animal on a particular site, whether it's just derived and is a pest species or whether it's something that's really widespread and you know we're just one of many sites within, around the globe that it's found. And then there's obviously um, health and well-being aspects to it. So for example, toxic algae, they provide a, like, a unique group of organisms. We really need to understand them in order to keep people safe from toxins in waterways. So it underpins our economy in a whole lot of ways. Yeah, it's really underlying the biological economy of New Zealand. And if you think about tourism, our conservation work, um, most of our primary industries rely on taxonomy. You need to know what species you're fishing or what sort of insects you're dealing with and if they're creating problems in agriculture or if they're one of our very unique organisms that we're trying to conserve. So why was the report on National Taxonomic Collections in New Zealand commissioned? In New Zealand, there were a lot of concerns, and this is actually not just a New Zealand problem, it's a worldwide problem, about the position of taxonomy and and the support for it and whether the infrastructure was is adequate and whether we're actually availing ourselves of all the interesting opportunities. Um, there's all sorts of interesting technologies, there are worldwide initiatives, and we really need to be part of that bigger picture as well as dealing with our own situation here. Wendy Nelson says that collections are not just dry, dusty archives, as well as being important repositories that scientists around the world consult on a daily basis. In the future, we may find ourselves using them in ways we can't anticipate at the moment. People years and years ago used to collect birds' eggs. Then at a certain point, when there were concerns about DDT, for example, it was possible to go back and investigate birds' eggs and understand residues that were being built up. The moss collection at Papa has been incredibly valuable at understanding the ozone hole, for example, in Antarctica. So mosses produce compounds which help to protect them against the UV radiation. And the records for ozone only go so far back, measurements, physical measurements. So we're able to use the mosses that were collected in Antarctica prior to that point to track whether the mosses were building up this protective compound. There's all sorts of interesting ways you can use collections as new technologies emerge. So, for example, these days, there's initiatives to extract DNA from old specimens, from type specimens, to understand things about the evolution and the biology of the organisms, but also to look at how um, some genomes might be changing, looking at introduced species and understanding relationships with native species. So, yeah, new technologies are really exciting, but you actually have to have the resourcing to do that. And one of the exciting things is also when the collections are electronically databased, the access and the ability to then reanalyze data to understand geographic distributions, changes with climate, changes with different human-induced environmental change, understanding the connections between different areas. Really interesting work that's been happening with land care where they've been 
analysing the distribution of threatened species and then looking also at the distribution of protected areas around New Zealand. Do we invest in the right areas for protecting native species? What would be the best investment of the conservation dollar if we had a choice of which areas and which species to work with? This can all be in, informed much more richly if we connect up collections and we understand the taxonomic frameworks. And internationally, there's a lot of development around uh, databases and connecting collections so that in the past... Um, borrowing specimens and transferring them internationally took weeks or months to arrange, but sometimes a digital image will provide information and that can be sent electronically and you can be connected with a wider international community. We're not really holding up our end on all of this at the moment and we need to be delivering our information in a much more effective way into those international um, communities. We could leverage a great deal if we also contribute. So that's part of the issues that we want to tackle too. While the panel of experts agree that New Zealand's biological collections should stay where they currently are, they identified as major issues the fact that funding for collection comes from a wide number of sources and is often year by year. Two main recommendations coming out of the report are a better coordinated approach at a national level and longer term funding. One of the aspects of the panel's work has been to look at how joined up this kind of approach is across New Zealand. So at currently the funding is quite segregated. It's, it's coming from multiple sources. So it could be city councils in the case of the Metropolitan Museums. Some of it's through Ministry of Culture and Heritage. Others, so the CRI collections are funded through MB. Um, so multiple streams of funding. And there's currently not an overarching strategy that enables us to move forward as a joined up kind of organisation. Now there's tremendous goodwill between agencies but we would really strongly advocate for an increased investment in it, but also for us to work as a single organisation or a single kind of entity to develop new tools and new infrastructure for the future, but also to look at where to recruit into those critical gaps. We really need to have a more coordinated approach. The panel believes that this will actually be a much better solution for New Zealand if there's better integration and coordination. At present, there's no... Uh, approach to looking at what are New Zealand's strategic needs and are the, our resources meeting those needs. And w with this coordination, that would be possible to prioritise the funding that's going into this kind of research and into the infrastructure that supports it. A lot of this work is hidden. It's quite invisible to the people who are going to be applying the results of it. And that's one of the issues that we're facing, is because the Funding goes in at one end, but we actually have the outcomes being very widely um, distributed across a whole range of outcomes. And many areas of the New Zealand economy and um, in terms of environmental management, a whole lot of areas of science, culture and identity, full, a very wide spectrum of outcomes are, uh, require the, the taxonomic and collections framework. And at the moment there's no appropriate integration of all these different elements and we think that if we had better coordination and better investment in this infrastructure on a long-term framework there would be much better outcomes for New Zealand. This is a long-term activity and it needs to have that kind of framework around it. 
we shouldn't actually have to be thinking about funding for a collection where the specimens that were collected on Cook's first voyage to New Zealand, justifying the existence of those specimens year on year. Those collections are part of our heritage, but they're also part of our scientific um, history, and we need to be able to be building those collections into the future. So a better need for national coordination, a better need for... Uh, more certain long-term funding. That's right. And and a way of um, prioritising into the future. The area has been eroded for various reasons over quite an extended period, and we're now getting to the point where we have a critically small workforce. And the interesting thing is that when we compare the situation with the New Zealand workforce and those, um, for example, in Canada and Australia, the, the practitioners in New Zealand are funded for a very small proportion of their time. So of the 97 active um, publicly funded practitioners that we surveyed, almost 80% of those could spend less than 25% of their time on the work. So we're not making best use of the expertise we have. And that's one of the problems, and that's an issue around funding and resourcing. Other recommendations include the need for better legal protection for collections and the development of specific training for future taxonomists. One of the concerns commonly raised in this area is the ageing workforce and the lack of a succession plan. We do have a few younger people, um, so Te Papa's very lucky to have some students who are developing in this area, but generally it's an older workforce. Most people would come into it in maybe their 30s or 40s because it requires kind of a mature and well-established scientists to do this kind of work. But in general, across New Zealand, we have an ageing workforce. There's been little recruitment over time, and it's recognised in the work that the Royal Society panel has done, that this is a really significant problem for New Zealand into the future. And even from now, where as people retire, we're losing major components of our understanding of the natural world. The interesting thing is that it's not about attracting people to the concept of the science or the interesting questions. There's lots of really interesting science there. But it is about what are the job prospects, what are the opportunities. And so that it's really an issue of um, recruitment is is less of a problem than actually resourcing and making a, a clear and stable framework in which people can see a career pathway and can see that this is an opportunity. In New Zealand we have an extraordinary range of um, biota and it's a it's recognised worldwide as a hot spot of biodiversity. We only have four and a half million people. We have a big challenge in understanding what we've got. But this is a challenge that only really New Zealand can address and we have a whole lot of legal obligations which require us, international obligations, which require us to understand the state of our environment and to report on it, to be able to contribute to international initiatives around biodiversity and ecosystem services, around um, protection of biodiversity. And so we have some obligations we need to be meeting and we're not able to do that adequately at the moment given the the approach that's been taken. So what the panel is suggesting is that with a fresh look at this, we can both get better value out of what we're doing now, we can get better value of the investment that's happened up till now, and with some new resourcing, we have a lot of opportunities to avail ourselves of these new initiatives, new technologies that will really equip New Zealand. There's a lot of challenges facing us globally in terms of um, the kind of risks through biosecurity on human health and trade and all those sorts of things. Climate is changing. What kinds of organisms are going to be better suited in New Zealand, in 
for agriculture and horticulture? Are we facing risks of new diseases brought in by particular kinds of mosquitoes or bugs that are going to be eating our crops? All of those sorts of things. In all of those areas, we need taxonomy, we need reference collections, we need the resourcing that will underpin the New Zealand economy. That was Wendy Nelson from Niwa and the University of Auckland, and Susan Waugh from Te Papa. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at RNZ underscore science. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.